Yes, welcome on into Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I want to talk international free agency today. Uh, signing period opens January 15th, this Saturday, and that's pushed back from the original July 2nd date. And when you're talking international free agency, you have to understand that a lot of these players have had a signing commitment going back two or three years. And unlike an amateur, when an international player commits to a team, he generally no longer gets scouted much in a competitive environment by the rest of the teams in Major League Baseball. And given what's happened with the COVID-19 pandemic and the way that things have unfolded, that means a lot of the guys signing this Saturday, I say guys, a lot of the kids signing this Saturday uh, haven't had substantive reports on them since 2019. A lot of the MLB teams just haven't seen guys in this international signing class in person in a few years. And we talked yesterday on the show about how your scouting department could really help you find some steals and and find some bargains on guys in the next few years with trades and the Rule 5 draft. And this is a situation where scouting Latin American players as they're going through, say, the Dominican Summer League or they're going through the academies and then coming to the U.S. is going to be paramount. But at the same time, you know, this is a prospect show and it's hard to talk about some of these prospects when we just haven't seen a lot from them in the last two years. I mean, obviously you see the headlines. We know that Elian Soto... Uh, Juan Soto's little brother supposedly went from an agreement with the Mets to now switching over to the Nationals. I mean, that made news, I think, because it's Juan Soto's little brother. I don't think there's any other reason. He wasn't a ranked prospect. I don't think there's any other reason that would be in the news. But you can see some of the reported signings. Christian uh, Christian Vaquero going... um, the outfielder going to the Nationals. This will be the second straight year where they've paid the top bonus for a 16-year-old international prospect. Last year, it was shortstop Armando Cruz from the Dominican. This year, it's a Cuban outfielder. And, you know, there's there's stories in here. There's a, a, a growing pipeline of players coming from the Bahamas. I I believe the all the credit for that goes to Jazz Chisholm, but Ryan Reckley is a shortstop from the Bahamas expected to sign with the Giants. I think he's getting around a $2 million bonus. And I was digging into these prospects and looking at a lot of the reports. And like I said, not a lot of info on these guys. And it started to make me wonder, is there a better way to do this? None of these guys have had, have had eyes on them in two years, two and a half years. A lot of these kids have been agreed to you know, they already knew where they were going. They knew the dollar amounts. Even though they weren't supposed to, they knew it. So what I did is I called up our friend Jeff pa- Jeff Paternostro. He's the lead prospect writer for Baseball Prospectus. And we had a conversation a little bit about international free agency and and getting into some of these stories and what it really means to do the system the way we have it versus changing it is there a way we can do international free agency to make it more equitable to these players to to is there a better way to get these international players into major league baseball than let them reach agreements at age 14 and let them sign at age 16 and come to the states at age 17 and begin playing baseball 
So I'm excited to do that. But before we talk about these players with their new professional teams, I want to talk about the new year because that means New Year's resolutions. Yours might be getting fit. It might be eating healthier, but whatever it is, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar. Tastes like a candy bar, but unlike a candy bar, it's good for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. The idea is it's a new year, new you. Go to where you've stashed all of your treats, all your secret treat stashes. It can be in the car, it can be in the office, at home, wherever it is. Throw out all of your candy bars, your sugary and calorie-filled treats. Replace them with Built Bars. Because even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And the good thing about Built Bars, so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. And Built's always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at Built.com. Again, that's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And speaking of New Year, BetOnline wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the NFL playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year means a new updated desktop and mobile website. So you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get started. Doesn't matter if it's football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, and I've heard they even have MLB futures coming up there as soon as we have a CBA. Uh, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for 2022 because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Again, betonline.ag, code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome on back to Locked on MLB Prospects. And like I've talked about all week, we're talking international free agency. And I'm now joined by Jeff Paternosto, the lead prospect writer for Baseball Prospectus. And Jeff, we initially connected because of the news about Elian Soto and his, his change of heart, you could say, going from the Mets to the Nationals uh, for his expected deal this Saturday. And we both had the observation on Twitter, and I think I kind of followed you on it, but when you just see a tweet about Elian Soto is now going to sign with the Nationals versus the Mets, you're leaving a lot out of that story. And there's more than just he's changing from the Mets to the Nationals. Do you mind going into some detail about what that situation is and how international free agency kind of works? I can. I can't speak to the specifics of the situation. There wasn't actually a lot of reporting around uh, Elian Soto of the Mets. I think there was like an Instagram post of him in Mets gear, which is one of the ways you can kind of suss this stuff out. Um, one of the stories around Kevin Maitan when he signed with the Braves was that they had he was he was stateside in this was actually before he officially signed, but after he had it was eventually deemed by Major League Baseball to be an illegal agreement, he was stateside with Braves gear on. So that's like a common way. I think he, I don't know, he, he might've been 15 at the time. He might've still been 14. I don't remember exactly the uh, the timing of all that. But So it's tough to tell what Soto had agreed to. If anything, I saw that it was $50,000 was supposedly the offer 
whether that was ever officially accepted. Uh, he can't officially accept it, but in the way that these IFA deals are made way ahead of time, and it's going to depend a little bit on a case-by-case basis. So, you know, it used to be July 2nd, now it's January 15th. For the top international free agents, the players that will sign or officially be announced this weekend for seven figures or more, in almost all cases, these deals were agreed to with these teams at least six months ahead of time, uh, sometimes up to a year, sometimes more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go back and look for any major international free agent. It, it, it gets reported. It gets reported into, in terms like linked with or um, our, you know, a team has interest in. You can even see expected to sign uh, in some cases. You can go back and look at Juan de Franco. You can go back and look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. You can go back and look at any of the top seven-figure IFAs. Maitan certainly uh, was one of the more uh, egregious examples of this because I think there were stories on this almost 18 months before he could officially sign. He was going to sign with the Braves for the amount of money that he'd signed with the Braves for. Uh, you can go back and find these. And that's it. again, it's going to vary. And sometimes the agreement happens before it gets gets leaked out, but the teams are going to spend, they know what their bonus pool is roughly ahead of time. I used to be, now it's tied to previous season's record. So there's a little more uncertainty there, but you generally know about what you can offer a player and what the slots are and the range you're going to be shooting for. So you, you decide, you know, it's like anything else you do. Sometimes they're in your Academy. Sometimes they're in international showcases. You see them, your international scouts see them in a similar way to the, amateur showcase circuit you're making your evaluations on how much money you want to want to offer that player and there's certainly some other stuff going on you know what what is the player looking to sign for um you know it's it's less cut and dry than it is with your average your average prep bat but you're doing the same kind of work your amateur scout your signing scout would do you you talk to the the agent the representative the trainer the biscone whatever you want to call them and figure out what the dollar number is and how that fits into your slots and the money you want to outlay in that international free agent class. And then you agree to it. Uh, It's an agreement in principle. It is not an agreement in force. If you decide, if the team, not the player, if the team decides later that for whatever reason, the player gets hurt, uh, this happened with with Christopher Torres. Uh, This happened with Jeffrey Marte, which are not names you know because they got hurt uh, during this sort of nebulous signed, but not signed window. And the team can then cut bait any time and the player has no recourse. However, conversely, if you're, let's say hypothetically, you're signing at 14 years and 10 months as a pitcher. And in the intervening year, as often happens to 15 year old athletes, you shoot up four inches and put on 25 pounds and go from sitting 88 miles an hour to 93 miles an hour. And you already agreed to a $125,000 bonus. You can't then shop that bonus to other teams. Uh, that's, that's frowned upon basically. Uh, other teams don't want their prospects doing that. So they're not going to poach another team prospect. Again, I don't know exactly what happened with Elian Soto, but the fact that his brother is one of the most famous young stars in, in major league baseball gives him far more leverage than your average, you know, 15 year old international free agent has. 
Yeah, I'm willing to bet if it's not Juan Soto's little brother, we're probably not hearing about this story about a change from from the Mets to yeah. the Nationals. That's something. For, that- he, I don't think it's going to be a super high dollar IFA deal anyway. So again, that is because he is Juan Soto's little brother, and because he posted. You know, there's nothing going on because of the lockout too. Yeah. So the fact that Juan Soto's little brother posted a photo of him, I don't even know if it's on Instagram or what, in in Mets gear is a, is a major baseball story now because there aren't any others. Yeah. And, and something interesting when you look at international free agency, the way that MLB has set it up is back in the days of 2010, 2011, uh, unlimited spending, spending internationally. And then from there, they went to a soft cap. And then now it's gone to a hard cap based on market size and record the previous year. And it, it feels like MLB has tried to find a way to to minimize the spending on Latin American players. You obviously don't see a hard cap when it comes to major league players domestically. Uh, Is there a better way to handle international players than just open free agency like this, where you you have 14 and 15 year olds and you're signing them to multi-year contracts for six figures? So it's not just international free agents they're trying to limit the spending on it's really mm-hmm. all classes of baseball players it's just that whether it's international free agents or even even amateur players in the draft uh they are not union members we're going through a cba cycle right now and that's in if the owners and the league representing the owners decide that they want an international draft for for whatever reason and there's a, a variety of reasons they might want that some of it's going to be cost control uh, some of it's going to be it, it, public relations. They it, This does not look good. This is not a good thing for the league from a PR standpoint to have these deals with you know 14-year-olds being reported early because it makes them look bad. And it, it, it should. It's a bad thing. Yeah. It, there's, no, there's no sugarcoating it. This is a incredibly unfair system in a lot of ways, uh, exploitative at most times as well. So the draft doesn't solve a lot of the underlying issues here. What the draft does do is get gets these stories to go away because you can still really be interested in, uh, let's use Elian Soto as an example, because mm-hmm. that the, I, I don't know the 23 class that well yet, or really at all, I'll know after they sign. I, uh, you can be interested in them, but you can even have a dollar figure in mind, but you know, it's, it's a draft. Like you can't, you literally can't agree to a, a contract because you don't know if they'll be there when you draft. So it, it cleans up some of the reporting around it, some of the media stuff around it. Uh, I don't know if it solves a lot of the underlying uh, issues in, in the Dominican Republic and elsewhere. You know, when they made Puerto Rico eligible for the draft, it kind of, in some ways, severely hurt amateur baseball there. You know, a lot of these teams, I, you know, I mentioned the Dominican Republic academies earlier. They have these academies. Um, there's good and bad in the fact that they're there but and, and what they do, but it's an investment. It's a financial investment, and teams make those financial investments because they feel like they can develop, identify and develop talent there. And if, it, if those players are just going to be as, as cynical as it is, if those players are just going to be subject to an international draft, what's the point, right? You can just go to the the showcases that the trainers can organize. And it, it just sort of, it's like nothing else it would be akin to going to area codes or a perfect game thing for your 
your high school prospects of note. Um, I don't know what the best, I don't know. There's no real good answer here. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ideas I've thought about is maybe something similar to a, something like a European soccer Academy where you can, it's not signing per se, but you can have these players in your Academy. There'll be certain standards in terms of whatever education, nutrition, training, all that stuff. And then at some point in time, whether it's 16, 17, 18, you know, you have the option to offer them a professional contract that has a certain standard to it. Um, and then if, if you don't, then that player is essentially a free agent. And I don't know that that's a better solution. There's probably, um, knock on effects. I haven't considered, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, my focus is, is pro scouting for the most part. I feel like I can only wear so many hats. So the, the IFA stuff, I don't get super deep into. Um, I don't feel the need to know who's the big seven figure signing, even as soon as, as this Saturday, obviously it started to leak out. So these are names after the back of my mind for pro coverage, but a lot of these players don't come stateside for a year or two. And now, look, uh, it'll, it, it'll already be up by the time the show goes up, but you know, our Yankees list went up this week and Jason Dominguez was this guy, you know, three, th- two, three years ago at this point. Well, I, I mean, as a, you know, it was reported he was signing with them even more than that, but one of certainly probably one of the most hyped international free agents of, of recent memory. And he's a good prospect. He's a perfectly good prospect. He's not an elite prospect yet. Basically mm-hmm. you, you don't, and this, look, this happens in the draft too. It's not, you know, projecting <laughs> as someone who does it for a living projecting teenage baseball players is not a, not an exact science. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I think even more so, obviously you're signing them younger, regardless in the IFA market, there's even, you know, if you looked at a, a list of, if you looked at, went to a prep showcase that had 16 year old American high school players in it now, like you'd probably have a very different prep list than if you saw them two years later. That's just, that's just the reality of, of player development and, you know, how, how baseball skills and how teenagers develop really. So I don't have a good answer for this. I know the system sucks, but I don't really have a, I don't really have a good answer for it. I don't, Anytime the league is looking first and foremost to save on uh, player costs, player acquisition costs, I don't think the outcome is going to be in anyone's best interest other than the, the, you know, the team accountant or whatever. Yeah. And during a time where we see so much overt hostility between the management and the players, it feels like any sort of big picture changes aren't going to be, you know, made, but it feels like if you look at the way that the amateur draft works now for domestic players, you have 18-year-old high school seniors and you have 21 to 22-year-old college players, and then you have these 16-year-old international prospects, it feels like there's a bit of a disadvantage on the prospect side. Do you think that a small change like trying to wait until they're 18 to allow them to sign is something that would be advantageous, or is, it, is the system as it is probably better for now than waiting until they're 18? I, well, there's, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I will say if you really want to dig into it and, you know, going, going back, whether it's Kevin Maiton whenever Jason Dominguez agreed to his deal, whenever Elian Soto agreed to his, um, if you're a major league baseball team and you thought Jason Dominguez was worth however much he signed for whatever date you agreed to that deal, you know, 
give them the money then you lock yourself in like they there's no skin in the game for the teams is the problem and i think that can can lead to some issues in that market as well where there you know there's there was a federally impaneled grand jury about some of these issues uh there's a great article in usa today about specific things that the the, the padres did uh, some of their ifas that they had agreed to in principle and then cut like i think it was like the week of the july 2nd mm-hmm. signing date and it's just this stuff you know whether it's the the stuff that atlanta did in that market whether it's you know the you know going back to i mean the dave dombrowski red sox were hit for bundling ifa packages maybe a year or two before that going back to the kickback scandal from the the early 2000s like mm-hmm. this has been an issue for decades it has gotten better on some levels like there's just it's more above board now i guess but it's still even like even talking about this for 15 minutes just makes me feel uncomfortable because it's just not a good system and it is it intersects with what i do and i have to acknowledge that and recognize that that you know ultimately these players are as prospects as of January 15th, they are professional baseball prospects. And I struggle with this every year. It's like, how do you compare? Uh, I'll use Simon Juan as an example, because I know he's signing for the for the Mets for a significant, I think it's like $2 million is the reported deal. That's information I can watch. Uh, I'm sure it's like Ben Badler's video or whatever video it's been posted on his Instagram or whatever Ben got down there uh, for BA. And but he's not going to play any meaningful baseball this year. I don't know exactly what his uh, what his birthday is, so I don't know when exactly he turns seventeen. He can start playing either in the DSL or Florida Complex League. So he'll be in the what they call the tricky league over there, basically playing like uh, extended spring type stuff. And yeah, he's going to be prospect list eligible for the Mets in twenty twenty three, but. I'm not going to have a lot of actual information about him. And it does. It's it, you're just going to know so much more about a, even a, a high school senior that they signed this year, let alone a, let alone a college player that you know, makes it difficult from a evaluation standpoint. But I, I still feel like all of that is secondary to everything else that goes on in that market. It's really not about the, 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 the prospect ranking and the evaluations at this point, because that's, you know, that's a conversation for two, three years from now. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is the first time we've really been able to have that conversation about Jason Dominguez as an industry. So that's almost its own separate thing. I, I think the best you could, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of struggling to put a bow on this. I think the yeah. best you can hope for is that, regardless of whatever else happens there in terms of, you know, how we decide how we want to talk about these deals, what the actual structure of them looks like from a collectively bargained standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's just that these are, we have to remember, these are literal, literal children and they need to be protected from this sort of major league baseball machine. I think more than they are right now. Yeah. It feels like if, if nothing else, that's something that everyone can agree on that uh, we may not know what the best system is, but we know the one we have isn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeff, if folks want more insight about uh, the, the prospects that you cover, some of your writings, things like that, where can they go to find that stuff? 
So I am the lead prospect writer, Baseball Prospectus. That is baseballprospectus.com. Uh, we are currently rolling out our team prospect lists. Got about a couple more weeks left of those. Our top 101 will go up on the site shortly after that. It's already done. It's in the book. You can also get the Baseball Prospectus annual, which just went to the printer last weekend. That should be shipping from uh, Amazon, IndieBound, wherever else, probably you two or three weeks from now. So probably end of the month. Uh, there may or may not be anything happening in the baseball world by then. But if you want to you wanna sit back and imagine the 2021 season, we have, uh, of course, uh, player capsules. They're talking about the 2020 Pocota projections for 2021. Uh, on the heels of that, we will have uh, the Futures Guide, which is our, our, our prospect product, which will have all of our team lists, the 101, some uh, Dynasty Fantasy League content, some other goodies, uh, probably a couple, you know, early February, a few weeks after that. Um, so yeah, you can watch, uh, you can check out the, that'll all be on the site of Baseball Prospectus. You can are on Twitter at Baseball Prospectus and I'm on Twitter actually, at Baseball Pro. I have to get it right. It's so too many characters to get all of that Baseball Prospectus. And you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro because my full name also will not fit on Twitter as an at handle. That's a lot to go on Twitter. Jeff, thank you for your time and thank you for joining the show. Appreciate it. Anytime. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On MLB Prospects. Quick reminder that you can find this or any of your other favorite Locked On shows on all podcast platforms for free five days a week. Go out there, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about it. For tomorrow's show, we're talking catchers. This may be the greatest catcher class of all time. It may be better than 2012. It may be better than 1977. And at the end of the show, we're joined by our friends from Locked On Yankees. We're going to talk about Rachel Balkovec, the first female manager of a minor league team, the high A Tampa Tarpons. This is Locked On MLB Prospects.